Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Michael. Michael and I sat down for a long conversation about his experience starting with Bloodborne and then moving backwards through the series. Um, We also talk about Shadow of the Colossus, survival horror. We get into some uh, history of UK computers and video games. So it's one of those great episodes that goes all over the place. I think that you're going to enjoy it. Hey, be sure to stay best. (coughs) Excuse me. Be sure to stay after the credits. Uh, Michael is a singer-songwriter, and I've included one of his great songs in the uh, in the outro, so make sure to listen to that. It's very, very good, and uh, you can find the video to that, which is extremely creepy, on uh, in the links in the show notes. Thanks, and enjoy it. I mean, I'm, I was even thinking. I was, I was trying to think about this, and I almost want to back up a little bit further, back to, back to the age before disparity, <laughs> back to like <laughs> 1990. Um, oh wow! It's, okay. It's, it's, yeah, you'll know. It's, I mean, it's funny for me because I was listening to. Um, I've been going through our episodes of Abject Suffering as well, and uh, there was uh, an episode that really made me laugh uh, about a game which I think um, Gary and Cole. I think Gary described it as stinking of Euro was I think the phrase that okay, he used. Cool. <laughs> I may be misquoting him, but obviously, you know, in the in the errata episode that comes after this one, then people can send in, you know, the changes that need to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um it's 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 a game called well, the the game they covered was Shadow of the Beast, which has had a PS4 remake recently, which I haven't even even looked at. But it's it's amusing because I guess listening to this duck, a lot of the duck feed stuff. There's cultural references that you get if you're listening kind of from the UK. There's some stuff that you don't quite get. It's really amusing when something which is so much a part of my childhood and so kind of localised to kind of growing up in the UK, playing on like Amiga 500, 16-bit computers, and that being so associated with kind of UK cottage industry kind of computer programmers. And uh, and it was just very funny to, to hear that reference. And that got me thinking that actually, I just remember getting this Amiga 500 computer. It, that's a really UK thing, isn't it? Do you know what I'm, have you come across those machines before? Um, I, I have messed with those machines. I've seen those machines. Uh, most yeah. of my experience with those machines um, is like that and like the Commodore and things like that mostly come from yes. uh, listening to uh, uh, CJ from Twin Humanities talk about like those older oh, console systems. Oh, Cause he was, yeah, yeah, he yeah, was yeah. He was very much into those, very much into the music and like listening to him talk about that stuff really made me want to go back and kind of check it out. Yeah. Like, I've watched it like is, some YouTube yeah. videos and things like that. Like, I'm not going to go through the trouble of emulating that stuff. I don't think no, the games no, no, really no, hold no. up. But it was kind of a no. It's fascinating, like the, what was happening in the UK around that time versus what was happening in the US. Like, you wouldn't think it would be that yeah. different because nowadays the video game market's so global. But it was course. dramatically different. It sounds like oh, absolutely. And and you know, our internet was the weird public domain scene where you'd have a three and a half inch floppy disk and you'd mail into a a little photocopied. Uh, a booklet to get someone to send you a disc with their animation kind of thing that they've done with something which now sounds like what the kids today refer to as vaporwave which then was the music <laughs> that came on Amiga 500 three and a half inch floppy discs and uh, so yeah 19, I mean I'm 41 now so yeah 1990 kind of gives you an idea of the age I was and I've never really played computer games but my parents had got me this Amiga 500 because they knew I was interested in doing some animation uh, with one of those really old programs and it came with it came with this game shadow of the beast 2 which has an intro which the more i think about it feels like there's a little 
I mean, maybe it's a stretch, but there's, a, to my young brain, it really felt like what I got when I first saw a photo of the player character sitting at a, fire, uh, a bonfire and the early reviews of Dark Souls when it first came out <laughs> and people saying, this is a really oppressive, difficult game, don't play it, but do play it because it's great, but it's horrible, uh, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember playing this game and at that age just the intense frustration because I couldn't really play it and I died almost instantly and the loading screens took forever and I kind of had to put it to one side and I think that's my next my first encounter with soul stuff really evoked that feeling of being really young and there being something unassailable and there a real sadness associated with not being able to kind of develop the skills to kind of uh, kind of beat this thing um, and that's and that was just from looking at the photo and reading the reviews and the way that people were talking about it <laughs> you know Shadow of the Beast 2 is not a difficult game I don't think I think it's just a bad game with a bad control system but you know hey it's got 16 levers of parallax scrolling so uh, <laughs> <laughs> the arguments in the playground about whether the Atari ST or the Amiga 500 could do more layers of parallax scrolling that was that was my youth really um but yeah, I, I picked up Dark Souls. I, I guess I read the review and I thought, nah, maybe this isn't something I'm really going to play because it looks pretty harrowing. And then it, I got it on Games for Gold on Xbox 360. Oh, wow. So pretty late into the life of the game. Oh, yeah. very. It, <clears> it, was, it had been and gone. Absolutely. And that really colored my experience in the sense that um, I had just bought a pretty decent graphics card for my PC and I was just starting to get into PC gaming and the PS3 and the Xbox 360 graphics are starting to look a bit tired and you know obviously knowing what I know now it's you know even though Dark Souls is arguably from a design perspective a very beautiful game uh, uh, those first few intro levels it was like though aesthetically it wasn't quite doing it for me because I haven't given it the time I mean you know I'm sure everyone talks about this but there's the classic example of there's a control system which has a level of difficulty associated with it but it's not you know the whole prepare to die thing is is a misrepresentation it's just it's different if you've been playing god of war and you expect (laughs) to have the same experience rushing at stuff then then you're going to have a bad experience and i think that's probably where a lot of people are going to bounce off it so i i I played it and i got murdered very very quickly and sat on (laughs) by the asylum demon i thought this game is a very disappointing frustrating thing i don't want anything to do with it and kind of and it still was itching at the back of my head because i I, part of me appreciated that was probably what was going on that it was that it was user error (laughs) was the reason i wasn't really getting on with it and then so even later than that i actually started seeing the adverts for Bloodborne and I don't know you come across a piece of media like a film or art sometimes where if you imagine that you could you know you've decided you're going to start on this incredible creative project which is so much about what you would want to see in a game and then you in like 30 years time having completed it went to a time machine and presented it to your younger self watching the trailer for the Bloodborne stuff with you know I've I think just the aesthetic and the promise of the promise of cosmic horror. It was uh, I, I, I basically bought a PS4 purely so I could play Bloodborne and didn't realize that it was the same software developer as Dark Souls. So they oh, really? started just, playing. Yeah, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't make the connection until I was a couple of sort of levels in, 
and then I made uh, made that connection at, uh, uh, at that point. So I guess Bloodborne was the first game I played, actually, um, and it's probably still my favourite. I think. Um, I mean, I like DS One, and I mean, one of the things I was going to talk about today is uh, in, when I'm talking anecdot- anecdotally about the impact it had in relation to kind of difficulties I have with mental health. Then it's Dark Souls that I come back to. Uh, but if I'm thinking sort of objectively about what I prefer, like cosmic horror always has the edge over over fantasy for me. It's a weird version of those fantasy tropes, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's yeah. It is. <laughs> there's a naked, fleshy tentacle dragon sending six-eyed wizards out to turn women into blue octopi, and <laughs> oh, and by the way, every, everyone's a zombie as well. Just, yeah, just every, every, everybody's coming back to the dead constantly, and also time is convoluted, so we don't really know. Yeah, who yeah, this yeah, is. <clears throat> yeah. Right. So now it's like a yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly the time convoluted thing. I'm, I quite yeah like any kind of media that. I, I, you know, there's the Lovecraft link, obviously, there as well, where you get fed out tiny little bits of information, and and uh, and you 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 have to figure out what it means, or you have to engage with the community to to get a sense of what it means, and that's very very appealing to me over over games where you're on rails that are just going to spell it out for you. Yeah, it's um, I think that's what draws. A- the, the mystery of these games is something that I don't think, um, or something that I think that draws a lot of people in. I was I was talking about this earlier today with somebody in relation to um, Shadow of the Colossus, and both interesting. Okay, Shadow of the Colossus and Dark Souls both do the thing where everything that you see seems placed there with such an exact purpose that it had to be for a valid reason. So mm. in, in Dark Souls, that translates to uh, you know wandering through these 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 hallways or through this castle or through this whatever, like staring at pictures on the wall or whatever, and thinking like, what does this mean for the game story? What is it trying to tell me? And in Shadow of the Colossus, it's the same way, except for like rocks and trees. And I don't know why it works yeah. in Shadow of the Colossus, <laughs> but it does. Um, it's a funny one, isn't it? I mean, I, I mean, it's a it's it's a kind of an emptier game, I suppose, and that's what's that's what's creating the atmosphere, I guess. But, mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm halfway through the remaster of that at the moment. Uh, uh, as well, how, how do you, what did you think of the remaster for Shadow of the Colossus? Have you know, you I uh, I was I was I was publicly uh, when they started showing trailers for it, I was I was kind of taken aback because I thought that uh, like the the basic change in some animations that they did from the PS2 to PS3 versions uh, were really kind of took me out of it. So I was I was very negative about it. Now I, I also didn't really see the point of it. Like I was looking at it, going like, "Why mm-hmm. we already have the PS3 remaster? Like that game exists. Why do we? Keep, why are you keeping? Why do you keep going back to this well?" But I'm I'm such a sucker for Shadow of the Colossus. It's one of my favorite games yeah. of all time. Yeah. So there was yeah. no question of me buying it. Like I was always going to buy it. I was just going to complain the whole time I was doing it. And then uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I when I finally when it finally came out and I was able to play it, I uh, I you know just absolutely fell in love with it uh, me and my friend yeah. chris who do the the monster of the week podcast uh he's he's just as in love with that game as i am and as as we were playing it was like oh yeah this is how i remember the game being like if i go back and play that ps2 version it doesn't look anything like this but in my in my head this yeah, is what it, interesting yeah so it's um and they, and they they made some interesting choices too like they they did not change anything sometimes to the detriment of the game so uh you get stuff. I don't know how far you went to the game. Like, have you got to? Colossus? I'm about halfway. I'm about halfway. So I'm trying to remember the last Colossus I did because then the remaster of Dark Souls dropped and that took precedence. <laughs> really, you know, you know that the curse of being a Souls player. That you know, even when it's Shadow of the Colossus, where it's a near perfect game, which just uh, um, in a very sort of uh, beautiful way. You know, it's, there's so much DNA shared between the games, isn't there? Sure, there in, yeah. in Colossus, you've just got, you know, you're the bad guy <laughs> coming in, persecuting all these 
these poor innocent creatures that were happily kind of going about their their business. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, it, yes, but they, they left stuff like um, like there's a certain clauses that can knock you over and can can basically stun lock you until you're dead and it's not fun like it's not a it's not a fun experience like you you're laying down on the ground your dude's not moving for a long time as you get to get up the colossus notices you and knocks you down again before you ever have a chance to control your character the only way that you can really get out of it is if he happens to knock you to a place that he can't get to very well um so it's not very satisfying and they they left that stuff in which actually gives me a lot of confidence if and because the rumor is that that same company is doing the Demon Souls remaster, um, which I mean, oh really? That's I mean, rumor, right? Like I've been talking about the Demon Souls remaster Sorry, for like that, nine years. All right, but... <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, you may be surprised. I mean, this is this is this is very much my experience. I'm kind of, I'm not as engaged in the community and kind of following, so I didn't realize there there was a Demon Souls remaster in the in the offing. Oh, there's um, there's probably not. Just like the collective will of the community oh, okay. is, is trying to believe that it's going to happen, and the likely people for that is <laughs> Bluepoint, right? So like is right, right, okay. But it gives me hope because like if they're willing to leave like dumb stunlock stuff in the Shadow of the Colossus without trying to fix it, then maybe they would leave all of like the dumb stuff in Demon Souls alone as well, which is what I would want out of a remaster. I think. Yeah, world tendency. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm only I'm I'm only so far into. I, I um swapped something for a PS3 just so I could go back and and play Demon Souls, and I kind of haven't, haven't. I need to start again and really try and understand the systems for it. I think. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. I, I guess another friend that I've got who's a a, a graphic designer. His, he, I mean, it's that's subjective, I guess, but he kind of felt that with Colossus, the making the graphics so beautiful and changing them to that extent it almost he i think he feels took away some of the surreal mystery of the of the ps2 version so everyone's going to bring their own stuff to it i guess and uh i haven't made up my mind yet really um yeah but uh yeah so bloodborne was the first game <laughs> after that uh, lengthy shadow of the classes no no no, no, no I, I was i was no i was going to bring it up anyway because there's other stuff i mean I suppose where I've got to with Souls, it does relate to a lot of other stuff. I mean, I come from like survival horror was always my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that ties into kind of <laughs> the experience of what games I like to play when I'm miserable. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's strange, <laughs> isn't it? But but it seems to be a thing, doesn't it? I mean, I'll talk about that later. But uh, but um, I, think, I think with Bloodborne, it was... There was something about the aesthetic. There's something about the the way that the law was articulated. That 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 uh, you know, and and it was really the second playthrough because the first playthrough was my first girls' game, and I was I was just terrified, and I was kind of almost running through it with blinkers, I think. And it wasn't until I felt confident in going through the second time and uh, putting points into a bit more of an arcane kind of build where I could stand away from things and shoot them with stupid eyeball comets that, uh, that I felt I, I had a bit more time to kind of look at things and, and check out the videos and then what bonfires I chat at the same time and go through it. And uh, I, just the story appeals to me uh, enormously. So I did Bloodborne. Uh, and then you, you I mentioned that, uh, after that. You, you had some like difficulty when you originally played Dark Souls just with the controls. Like, did that translate over to Bloodborne as well? Like, were you were you able to kind of because it's a quicker moving game, maybe a little bit more modern? Like, did you click with it a little bit better? I think I didn't understand the whole rolling thing at first at all. The kind of the equipment load relationship. Uh, I think I maybe just decided that I needed to cover myself in armor without intelligently looking at the way the statistics related to what was going on. And so I was, you know, and actually that quite appealed to me because it felt a bit more like a, 
uh, a sort of a dance where in the sense if you're kind of turtling behind a shield and uh and you're kind of careful about maintaining your distance that everything moves fairly slowly until you start hitting the bosses and you can and, and, and yeah there was less of that panic twitchy rolling around all over the place but uh yeah that jumping from going from no shield to having a shield was kind of quite strange in the first instance it did it did feel slower but i i kind of like that i mean i i quite like the first um what was it uh obvious sci-fi survival horror game uh, uh is quite slow moving or dead not space. the surge dead no space. dead space dead yeah. space which is very much you know people have got a lot of opinions about that game but one of the things i really did like was the the heaviness because that kind of reminded me of the clunky heaviness of of uh wandering around in a uh, silent hill as well i suppose and, and that seemed genre specific for the kind of games that i'd come from where you know there's a disempowering kind of feeling to that i guess um yeah it's interesting i know a lot of people that make comparisons of from dark souls or demon souls to like survival horror games and um it's interesting because it works uh because that there's first playthroughs of souls games um with the exception of bloodborne and bloodborne is like this they just don't have shields but like you're you're doing that thing where you're constantly holding your shield up and like edging around corners because you have no idea what's ahead of you you're worried about having limited resources because you don't know where anything is or what's going to be ahead of you i'm having this That's ultimately what becomes yeah that's ultimately what becomes frightening it's the resource management and yeah 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 this is happening to I me. Think, I'm playing the Resi remake right now for the first time. I've never played RE1, uh, so I'm playing it for the first time with the remake. And it's it's definitely that of where I'm just terrified to use anything that I have because I'm worried about <laughs> running out of everything. <laughs> I think there's classic kind of survival hill. Survival hill. Well, let's go to survival hill. That was yep, a good, that's uh, a good one. Good mixture. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's keep going with that, I think. Survival hill 2 was my favorite. Um, but uh, I, I think there is a similarity. I think, I guess it's... It, I think beyond the kind of the law and the mechanics of the combat, I think it's the size of the world as well, in the sense that I really struggle with open world stuff now because I think what Dark Souls does really well is that economy of language. And I, I listened to the the, uh, the bundle recently, the bundle episode that Gary and uh, Cole did about data mining in Bloodborne. Oh yeah, the, they were talking, yeah, bundle. which is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's a good bundle. I recommend it. Um, but uh, really interesting stuff about how much extra dialogue there was that just all got slashed and all and all for the better. I think because it's like. It's like that David Lynch idea of having room to dream to project your own insecurities onto something and uh, to fill up that that empty space with your own conjecture. I think is I think makes it you know adds to the longevity of these kind of games. I Plus, have a yeah. I have a real difficult relationship with some of the cut content. Like I, I find it fascinating, and um and like the throes of my love affair with Dark Souls one, I, I would eat every single bit of that I could I could get up and. I've interviewed mm. a, bunch, a couple of the cut content people and I'm friends with a, a lot of the people in the not friends, but like I know some people in that, in that community and it's fascinating to see what they're pulling out, but I can't help but look at it and think like, I'm so glad this was left out. It's very, very <laughs> rare for me to see anything and be like, Oh, I'm glad that, you know, I'm, I wish that was in the game, right? Like I wish they had left this quest or that quest in the game. Um, I think it's interesting from a historical perspective to find out like oh, yeah, yeah. the no, story of the game for a lot of it nowadays. I'm just, I'm just so I don't know. Like I see uh Senator's K just released that dark souls two video where like, you know, Firelink was a whole different thing. Like there was a child Emerald Herald and like pulling all of these bits of the story of the original story that was conceived of dark souls two together. And I'm uh, okay. And it's super interesting yeah. and I'm, I'm into it, but I'm also like, ah, just, 
also I think the way that it is now really works. So yeah, well, no, it's interesting to see that editing process, and that, that most of it is about cutting stuff out in order to make it more effective, and knowing at what you what point you want to give the player agency into projecting on something that's a little bit nebulous, I guess. And mm-hmm. clearly that works because the community is super active, and it's almost like an extension of the game to some extent. I think that's a huge part of it for me is how welcoming the community is. Obviously, there's Dark Souls haters as well, but um, as far as... <laughs> I have no idea what you know, you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, generally, my experience with the community is of, you know, of just thinking, I can't play this game. I, I simply can't do it. And, uh, you know, people say, Hunter is never alone, et cetera, et cetera, and, and just encouraging you to, to kind of uh, to keep on going uh, with it, which is, you know, a lot of the games that I play, the survival horror stuff, are so much about totally placing you in a in a a disempowered state where you are on your own and there's nothing outside of the game and and it's interesting obviously it's almost like really two ways of playing it um and i was forced into one way of playing dark souls because when i actually came around to playing dark souls there was nobody online on the pc version of dark souls at all so you know i summoned in some people from for bloodborne because i wouldn't consider myself a a particularly skilled gamer i mean you know i've got through the games but it's this was definitely the hardest games that i played um and the shock at finding that i (laughs) really did have to do everything myself uh in dark souls one was 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 palpable really and i made you know the classic terrible mistakes um it, it was all for the better i mean but, uh, you know, I did the whole Drake sword thing where I thought, hey, this weapon's much better. I'm just going to go and get some some dragon scales and 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 just sit on this oh, weapon no. for the entire time. Yeah, no. the, the classic thing there. <laughs> and then I was just like, well, what have I got left? And I don't know where I am and I don't really understand how to farm for stuff. Because the other thing, of course, is that I didn't really understand the relationship between uh, being human and liquid humanity and item discovery and stuff like that. So I was really being conservative with popping any humanity because i i just didn't want to lose it for the npc summons that i could potentially get for bosses so i had no resources as far as that's concerned my item discovery was rubbish so i wasn't picking up any more upgrade materials and um basically yeah my my wall was was the three kings where i had to take six months off um um you know one of the anecdotes i give is how how positive an impact Dark Souls had on my mental health, not for those six months, <laughs> where I was just like, not <laughs> not interested. And I'm so pleased that I came back and, and did it. And, uh, you know, I mean, obvious walls, Ornstein and Smyru wall. I think with the remaster, what I've, uh, what I've really enjoyed doing is going back to the bosses where I thought, oh, I'm just going to cheese this one. There's the obvious Capra Demon cheese where you you fling explosives or poo over the over the boss wall and sure, turn him toxic. Yeah. <laughs> and and I didn't feel good about the fact that I did that, but I just didn't want to go into that stupid corridor with the dogs and and this guy's big knives taking up the entire space. And so although it's a relatively easy boss, there was a real sense of achievement in just doing it properly this time around. Um, and I'm only doing the DLC for the first time now. Oh nice. That's the best uh, part of yeah. the game. Well, this is the thing. I, I hit a wall at the Sanctuary Guardian where I had my pokey little lightning spear that wasn't particularly upgraded and I was too heavy. And, uh, and uh, yeah, obviously that, that strange creature 
with all the different <laughs> status effects that it can deal was yes, just was just yes. horrendous. Yeah, it's just let's put all the things in one animal. Um, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it's awful. Just, it's a Homer Simpson really animal. Just yes, put, yes. <laughs> let's put all of the things in this one in this duck duckbill platypus, yeah. and then yeah, like a strong bad kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Let's put a beefy arm on the side of him there. That's fine. Yeah, it's all good. Um, so I'm 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 uh, basically smashing my face against Artorius at the moment uh, without much success, but. Um, resisting urges to summon him and to have my friends help me with that. So uh, I'll say. Um, so once I get so before the remaster came out, I had to. Uh, not had to, but uh, I was assisting my friend Patty. He wanted to do. He's doing a soul level one run, and um, we 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 had previously done what we, we called Dick Week, which was um, like my soul level one person versus his soul level one person, and we just did stupid, dumb PvP fights and some serious ones too. Um, but since he was progressing through the game, he wanted to use the arena, so I like I had to get through Artorius. And uh, I had to, so I had to go through and like beat Artorias at Soul Level One, and it's been such a long time since I had played that dude or fought that dude, even with like <laughs> normal, normally leveled whatever. And uh, it was like it's one of those fights that once it clicks, it clicks. And like I think I ended, I think I walked in with like ten Estus, and I walked out with nine, right? But it took me oh, like twenty seven fights to get there <laughs> before you. Yeah, just... I'm yeah, I'm around about there. I haven't clicked in. I haven't got my rolling. And I'm going with I'm going with easy mode at the moment because I wanted to see how much sorcery changed the texture of the game. So you know I'll go back and do something a bit less forgiving next time. But it is quite empowering. Oh, it absolutely <laughs> so, is going... for, for for where it for where it works, and especially with how bad I am at PvP and with invasions generally. The I mean, because I I did actually try, and um, I thought, well, you know. This is this is uh, this is the PvP guy. I should maybe try and get a little bit of PvP experience in before I, uh, you know, because it's never something I really looked at. So again, classic experience of going the second time through the game, still not really understanding the covenant mechanics and thinking, right, well, I want to try it out. Okay, so I'll, uh, I've got to get absolution because I killed. I'll uh, is it Gwendolyn or Guinevere? I always mix the two up. Um, Gwendolyn. Who is it that you- the, who is it that you shoot that makes an Orlando Guinevere. Go, yeah, Guinevere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I needed to get absolution before I could join Dark Moon Covenant, and then I did that. And then a place that was really eerie and interesting from a law perspective suddenly became an incredibly dull space to do any kind of PvP because it's vast and it's empty and you don't know where anyone is. Mm-hmm. And and that that didn't particularly interest me at all. And and you know, obviously people are expecting you as well. So I went and got the cracked eye orbs that I'd uh, uh, missed in the chest in Firelink and did a little bit of that and uh, and was ruined horribly about five or six times, but then lucked out with one guy. And I thought, great, oh, okay, this is this is something I want to pursue. And of course, by that point, I'd already placed the Lord Vessel, so yeah. I couldn't actually <laughs> go and <laughs> talk to the annoying snake in the in the abyss. And and again, just a tiny little thing, and you've got to wait for the next playthrough before you can you can engage with that which is frustrating yeah that can be kind of annoying sometimes uh that was something that dark souls 2 did very well with the use of bonfire aesthetics which kind of lets you control the areas that you would you would come in and and come out of or whatever that you could summon in or control your difficulty to a degree that none of the other games have seemed to kept keep with which is kind of weird for me I did enjoy the PvP. I mean, I of all the games, and it's the game that I have the least memory of, which is ironic given that it's a game about, <laughs> about memory, yeah, about memory and, <laughs> and uh, dementia and all that. Yeah, I just went back and watched the intro again with a melting face, and that all that stuff is really disturbing. And and I wish that could have been more in the texture of the game beyond the kind of the 
well, I guess it depends on where you stand on that argument uh, about the geometry of the world being really, really strange. And is that because the person's losing their mind and they don't know where they are, or is it just weird level design decisions made by made by the developers? Uh, I guess um, I did a little bit of PvP, mainly just the rat covenant stuff though because you don't have to be any good <laughs> you can you can use psychological warfare you, what, you, what's that horrible ring that you can get where you can appear like you're a friendly uh to the person that you've tricked to come into your uh i don't remember your, i think it was the, the, it's called the you know the one i mean yeah, 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 yeah something like that so i did yeah. that that whole thing and i thought this game's been out for a long time as well no one's gonna fall for this and I was overjoyed at the amount of people who were like, "Oh, okay, we're going to go on a jolly cooperation quest now." Look, I'm I'm fighting rats with you. Honestly, that's what I'm doing, and you know, leading them through acid pools or whatever, and then waiting till their estus was diminished enough, and then <laughs> and then killing them. It was it was absolutely hilarious. Um, and some of the prettiest parts of the game, I think, as well. The second rat covenant place, especially. Just the architecture of that place is, is the really pretty. Ferris's Keep or what have you? Ferris's? Yeah, yeah. Whatever. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's the one. I mean, uh, I just that's. Uh, it's a strange game aesthetically, and where in the, it, I think it has some of the most beautiful, some of the most beautiful sequences, and then it has some really, some really interesting. <laughs> there's the spider battle as well, the big spider boss, also mm-hmm. the name of which I can't remember, but that always stuck with me as far as maybe an arena where maybe a little bit more care could have been taken with the space. I think it's just when they start, when you see Bloodborne and you see the way they use textures and it looks fantastic and, and they've obviously kind of upped their game as far as the way the games look. Um, and then that boss arena afterwards, it's hilarious. If you look at the floor, it is like the spider decided to go out and buy some wallpaper with skulls on it to piss his mum off. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to wallpaper my bedroom in this. Mum's going to hate it. And I'm going to listen to Slayer. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you put, you know, it's just this flat panel of skulls everywhere. And it's it just, it just amused me, uh, I guess. Yeah, there so, were some, um, it, it's especially noticeable in the Scholar of the First Sin version on PS2 or PS4 because uh, like they increased the resolution so so much that like the the, the poor textures in that game really really yeah. stand out or noticeable. Um, I was playing it on PC um, on a 4K resolution on a 4K TV, and yeah, when it's pretty, it's pretty. When it's not pretty, <laughs> it just it just shows you that yeah, yeah, some of the ugliness of certain bits of the geometry, I guess. Yeah, it's I. I've actually just recently started a, a Dark Souls two run because I don't know what I'm doing with my life anymore, and um, like <laughs> it's like it's it's really fascinating because like I you know you walk into Majula or walk out into where Majula is, and the music starts playing, and the sun is over the ocean, and it is drop dead gorgeous, maybe one of the mm. most beautiful skylines I've seen in yep. in a Souls game, and then there's other areas uh, like I'm just already know when I get to. Um, I can never remember. It's the it's the area outside of the the poison with, with all of the poison area uh, before you go up to the weird green place with the windmills and that. Yeah, yeah. Kind of I don't stuff. quite remember the name of it, but um, it doesn't matter. But like, it, I, I just remember that being like drab and ugly and just like just not even fun to play through. Um, no, so all yeah. of those things. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. For me, it was a bit too big. I think I just love the. I think it's just you know I'm sure it's been said before so many times, but just the level design of the first one. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and the familiarity that you have—it's—it's it's so beautifully constructed, and, the, and the, obviously the verticality of it, where you look down where you've been, and you get the little dopamine hit 
from that. And there's so many, so many elements that are, you know, for a game which is ultimately about misery and loss, <laughs> and <laughs> these dejected bosses who are constantly in pain, who you're putting out of their misery, you have been part of this enormous sort of powerful lineage being reduced to these kind of empty husks and, you know, being these sad, noble battles. There is a lot of positivity. I think you can, uh, you can, you can get out of those. I mean, it's, I was, I was, uh, I was really struggling at the time I played, uh, dark souls, certainly. And I mean, my, my, my experience of it was that, I, I mean, I have issues with, with anxiety generally, which result in periods of depression, which, you know, I, I, I don't experience depression. It's as a result of a kind of getting a lot of anxiety, and that's as a result of ruminating on stuff in the past and and stuff I'm worried about in the future. You know, basically the same as every single person that I know. <laughs> especially, but, uh, <laughs> especially in 2018 when, when the world is on fire. But this uh, is called this is called living in Western Europe in 2018, or living yeah. on planet Earth in 2018. So I kind of I'm I'm aware of that as a sense of you know. You know, you try and offset it, but it's, you know, I mean, it's quite a normalized experience, I think, now. And, you know, you try all kinds of stuff. You go through a, sort of a therapeutic experience, you try medication. I try sort of mindfulness practices and stuff like that. And the thing that I've always come back to is is either music or uh, computer games. And, and I cycle between one and the other where they both demand that kind of, that focus. Um, but I think with a lot of games I found recently, I'm just pretty checked out when I'm playing it. And I think that's that's the value of Souls, isn't it? There's so much to occupy you. And uh, it, it just puts me in mind, There was, I mean, it's kind of a bit of a, of a tangent, but there was a really interesting article about PTSD being treated with games like Candy Crush and Tetris. Have you come across that research at all? Uh, no, I haven't. No, it's just, in, it's just uh, I don't know how they managed to... Uh, structure this kind of testing but i think it was it happened in the uk that they managed to have something in place in the emergency services where i think a lot of people had seen quite an unpleasant car crash and they were given games that occupy your visual field really intensely directly after it had happened and it was kind of contextualized in a sort of a therapeutic way and uh, and they found that the kind of the ptsd symptoms afterwards were lessened and those kind of invasive memories and recollections and feelings were significantly reduced although they had a perfect recollection of the situation and they were able to compartmentalize that and process it but there's something about you know it is tangential but i suppose the link i'm making is there's something about me sitting down for an hour and playing dark souls which is normally the one thing that will stop me (laughs) being extremely grumpy and miserable there's something about that it just takes away you've just got to concentrate you've just got to focus and and it's so rich every time you go through it even though it's relatively small in the context of kind of other open world stuff you can always come back to it again and again and it always it always gives back i suppose so i've heard my experiences i've I've heard other people mention that it's um it's it's relaxing because it never changes so you can always expect i mean within within the confines of the ai obviously but like yeah the undead hollow is always going to be where the undead hollow is the yeah the fire sage demon is always going to be where the fire sage demon is so it takes your mind wondering what will happen versus wondering how i'm going to deal with this interesting i know will happen i don't don't know if that rings uh true, true to you at all but that's what i've heard from some other people as well I don't think I've played it enough. I mean, I suppose my response to that is, I mean, of course, the other thing, when there are changes, you're in control of it. So if you want to set yourself a ridiculous set of restrictions when going through, then then you can do that. And so it's 
it's something where you you ultimately do have you do have control i suppose and just the ways in which you can break the game i suppose as well to do unusual things of it and that seems to be a kind of whole weird sort of sub niche of sub niche like really strange game breaking things that you can do to get the giant dad build in <laughs> like 23 minutes and uh <laughs> you know that being the way that people play the game and you know setting totally different goals uh, in that context that's the, those videos i find that kind of culture associated with dark Souls so interesting like you've got vati video doing his very reverential kind of really law specific really uh kind of beautiful digestions of the saddest elements of the game and you watch that and you go yeah this, you know this is literature man yeah and then you watch a video of some kid <laughs> making his giant dad build and every time he gets a bit of the build you get this really bit crushed dubstep trap <laughs> sort of playing over the top <laughs> so much disparity between those two kind of approaches to how the game is represented on uh on youtube it's funny i found that really interesting too because uh like i felt like with dark souls less so with demon souls although some of this started with demon souls but uh dark souls really brought souls onto the map with the youtube culture with um like people doing uh role play tumblr blogs uh people on, yeah like i feel like for me twitch was watching people play dark souls like that's how i got into twitch was was you know actually like oh like this this one streamer is like invading and in and in, in, in doing pvp stuff so let's go try to stream snipe him or something like that yeah. uh, like that was all of this weird cottage industry the podcast the art the comics like everything that happened it seems like it started with dark souls and it's crazy that it's this big it's not and it's not it's not something i mean i haven't looked into other games to see if there's this kind it seems to me this is something that is really you know just by virtue of the fact that we're having this conversation and we've had a two-year waiting list to have this conversation <laughs> and there's still uh, you know plenty of energy for it. it just doesn't seem that the other games going to create that kind of that kind of obsession uh, i suppose and i think it is it's 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 the i find the community aspects of it you know there's a part of me that kind of thinks uh you know if, if you're relying too much on a walkthrough or looking at the community for support you know there's this idea that that somehow is lessening your experience of the game whereas it just feels like a natural extension of the uh of the game of the game to me very much so i mean all the all of the people in the community i guess is it through twitch and stuff like that and kind of is a lot of people that you know from online from actually playing with or, or watching them playing yeah uh it, it's funny because uh a lot of my exposure to the community came from uh either dark souls haters uh where I wasn't really like publicly running that like people who knew me from something awful knew that I was running that, but it was really bonfire side chat. Like when I started guessing on bonfire side chat, that's when I started meeting a bunch of people in the community. Yeah. And nowadays it's, you know, it's just being so plugged into it. Like it's doing this show. It's, 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 you know, having the YouTube channel, having dark souls haters, whatever. Um, but I remember, you know, there was, there was a time playing dark souls one when I would just sit on my couch and just invade constantly. Like I had a build and I was doing like straight up PVP like duels in the, in Ulysses township. And uh, you would invade like the same guy because there's people there that are invading all the time. There's people there that are hosting, you know, fight clubs or ho- just waiting for people to invade them. So like there were people on my Xbox friends list that I see their name and I recognize them. I have no idea who they are, but we play Dark Souls so much that we like started trading messages and then we know each other from Dark Souls, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that's <laughs> it's a weird thing, but out of a, from a well, game yeah. that didn't even on 360 would not even allow you to be on a party chat like it would kick you out of the yeah, party chat yeah, and yeah. booted the game so like that the fact sure. that you can make friends in that game just blows my mind to, to this day 
I mean, the weird thing, I mean, I, I haven't, that's not been my experience at all. And I think it's how much you engage in the community, I guess. I mean, I did a little bit just to try and get answers to some of the more obscure law stuff. But the weird thing is everyone I know who plays Dark Souls is all people I know from music, from being in bands and typically bands that write long songs that you can't dance to. So <laughs> sort of weird progressive rock kind of uh, stuff, which is the kind of the commutes. So you get these weird sub communities of sub communities going on where there's a, there's a guy in a band who I know and, you know, we'd see each other when we were doing shows together and, you know, very occasionally I knew him, knew him a little bit, but it wasn't until we figured out we're both into dark souls that we're constantly just messaging each other. Uh, about souls related stuff and me checking <laughs> information about weird builds that he's done in dark souls three and stuff like that and it's uh I, I like it when that kind of stuff when you get these weird sub niches within sub niches like i was i was really into the recent uh the new series of twin peaks that came out recently and oh yeah there's gonna be mm-hmm. yeah there's gonna be facebook groups about that and and you know there's gonna be all the law conjecture about that and i was just reading through and there's an episode i don't know is that is that something that you watch at all are you familiar with that at all oh, ab- absolutely i've been i've yeah. actually i'm in the middle of a rewatch of twin peaks right now i'm in the middle of, oh um, i love season two season threes so. season, oh all right I, okay there's the yeah there's the trough a little bit in season two but yeah you've got season three well that's subjective you know? just 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 uh fast forwarding through every time that james is on the screen until like oh get my to, god to good stuff. oh god oh yeah so yeah, as you can imagine the sort of shit posting forums about twin peaks were mostly memes about james's forehead and uh that went on quite a lot uh but but there was one there was there was one bit where there was somebody zoomed in on a frame of one of the weird woodsman creatures kind of manifesting behind someone in a prison and someone put a picture of the giant dad mask next to it because it looked exactly the same <laughs> and suddenly we're in a sub niche in a sub niche of dark souls within twin peaks kind of fans and uh, <laughs> i was like it when that kind of stuff i wore a you died t-shirt um during a gig and then there was one guy commenting on the band page and he was like oh is that a dark souls tea just just i didn't think i could enjoy this band anymore and it's like my work here is done so that was that was a very pleasurable experience there was um i was wearing a uh um a bone wheel skeleton shirt one time i think i may Ooh. have told this to carson i don't remember if it was on the podcast or not but uh carson drew it was the guy that, that had made that shirt and it sold it mm. and uh i was walking to a restaurant and like one of the guys that was busting the tables uh like kind of looked at my shirt and then looked at me and gave me like the hey you're cool head nod and it was like one yeah. of the greatest moments of my life and i was like yes, yes i am cool <laughs> absolutely i have yeah it's, it's funny i have no shame at all you know because in one sense i'm not very at all but in, in one sense when someone recognizes that you almost forget that uh uh you, you almost forget that you're wearing something like that sometimes and people are going to tap into that it's amusing um, what do, what do you yeah. think your um hesitancy is on on like engaging with the community more do you think you just seek it out for just for like specific answers or is there something i think it's just time on? to be honest yeah. i mean it's it's it's, it's overwhelming the amount of Law and law conjecture that's that, that's out there, and you know I've, I've never been a person who played a game twice, so it shows to what extent uh, Souls has kind of had an impact because I'm doing multiple run throughs of these games and coming back to it repeatedly, and I still know that I don't put in, you know, I'm not someone who's put in hours and hours and hours and hours, but I've put in enough time with the limited resources and time available to me to know that it's something pretty special so i think i I think i probably would engage uh more in the community it's a little bit intimidating i guess in the sense that um 
there's, there's the amount of time I've spent on it. There's always you kind of a reflection on what you feel your skill, your knowledge actually is. And as as uh, as as positive as everyone is, I tend to ask somebody that I know <laughs> in real life who's into it, as opposed to kind of dive into the community and uh, and ask. We um we've kind of scattered across all the games, but um yeah. Have you have you have you is there one that you haven't played that you that you want to play? Like, have you gone back to Demons? Are you caught up with Dark Souls Three? I'm going to go to Demon Souls. I did do I did do uh, Dark Souls Three again. I haven't done the second DLC okay, yeah. in Dark Souls Three. Um, it was <laughs> I needed to. You know, I'm 40 years old. I need to develop my own opinions. The problem with listening along to Bonfire Side Chat is that you know the very reasonable comments and tone of it. I guess about you know some of the challenges that the guys found about uh, about Souls Three and how it fits into the universe. And and I think it was I found the first part of the DLC very punishing and then the i just started listening to the opening episodes about the dlc and just you know a crystallization of the idea that at the, at the point you finish souls 3 you're at a certain level and realistically to start the dlc you probably want to be many levels <laughs> higher than that so if you're just playing through it to play through it there's this kind of you know, the suggestion there's this mechanical process you've got to go through just to level up enough to be able to do the DLC. I don't know. I don't know if you think that's that's no, no, abs- absolutely. I, 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 um, I think that there's a very real difficulty curve when it comes to Dark Souls three that you can start you can start seeing the the beginnings of with Bloodborne and whether that's because of the I don't know if it's because From Software wanted to lean into the these games are so difficult kind of marketing that they've had all along, uh, or yeah. if it was the the players getting getting better. I don't want to say getting good, but getting better at playing the game. So because <laughs> yeah. from what I remember of Dark Souls Three, like they you know very early on they showed these games to streamers or to you know challenge runners like Lobos and 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 that crew who you know i'm like playing dark souls one standard for lobos is probably like he he can more than likely do that with his with his eyes closed at this point but sure i feel like you leave some players behind like i feel like i'm at the max amount of skill that i can do in a dark souls game at this point in my life and there's just mm. no way that i'm going to sit down with the amount of time that i have in my life to sit down and get good at madeir like the first time yeah. i hit that dude in the face and like a a toothpick width of health ticked off his health <laughs> bar and i was like and i, I looked yeah, it that's up. a horrible feeling isn't it yeah and i looked it up and i was like maybe there's a trick like maybe i have to go get you know maybe gof is going to come up with an arrow and like shoot this dragon for me and half of the health is going to disappear or something like i thought that that was something like that was going to happen and it's not you just have to be that good for that long and i yeah. and i'm not saying i don't want to take anything away from anybody like if you enjoy that fight if you like that fight as a challenge run, I've seen people do it. Um, there was a person on the don't give up skeleton discord uh, just recently. who was like, Oh yeah, just, I wanted to, I set this challenge to myself to not take any damage whatsoever in that fight. And it took me, you know, however many hours to do and I did it. And uh, there's a former guest on this podcast, Nick, who does challenge runs. He did a soul level one run and killed Madeir. Like that's insane. That's, that's totally beyond <laughs> my ever will be beyond my capability, but it just, it leaves me behind. And, uh, yeah, I, I actually, I'm kind of curious, like how you feel about since they just recently announced Sekiro. I don't know if you've watched any of the trailers or kept up with either yeah, stuff. Sure. Uh, but like, you know, I'm I'm super excited about that game, but I also have a small amount of trepidation of, well, is it gonna like are they gonna continue that difficulty curve or is this gonna be well, something under- all new? My understanding is it's uh, well, is it true that it's going to be offline only? So it's going to be less of a. I'm just trying to remember what I've read. Less of a reliance on kind of stats. Mm-hmm. Um single player which you know obviously you know makes me feel a little bit nervous i guess i don't know but then at the same time you've got um 
I don't know. I'm I'm weirdly more intrigued by the other thing that Miyazaki's got coming out, the VR game that he's done, which is obviously so totally <laughs> something about joy and happiness, and you know, uh, uh, although it's still got weird, fractured storytelling. Have you have you come across that before? Oh man, I'm I am so stoked, especially someone with a PSVR. Um, like, I'm, yes, I am yeah, yeah. so stoked for Darasine. Like, I am that the. I'd probably be more concentrating on that, I suppose, because I I got a PS4 Pro when I am. Um, got the ps vr and i did do the resident did you do resident evil bio what's it? <laughs> no. yeah i have, have the, you not? Uh, i haven't done the full game or anything but um only because i just i'm just not up to date on a resident evil like my, my vr experiences are, are mostly like i limit them to about 10 to 15 to 30 minutes at a time or else i start oh. getting kind of woozy um i've i've gone past the von barrier now gotcha. no, I've, okay. I've, I've got a couple of friends scattered around the uk and we just hang out and kind of build roller coasters in vr and nice <laughs> spend hours in there everyone's got their beers and we're just kind of and it is weird the way that persistence of getting a kind of physical uh cues from people's bodies as rudimentary as it can be leads you to think that you visited somewhere and you've kind of engaged in something creative together so i'm i'm pretty excited about uh i think there's some really interesting stuff from vr done with kind of non-linear narrative if you're talking about timey-wimey soulsy stuff oh absolutely i'm just curious like now that we know that sirico and uh daracene are kind of on the table from from software like Mm. uh what like what what is your dream game from that studio like if you were if you were able to do ask them to do anything like do you have a like a bloodborne 2 or a dark souls 4 or something brand new or something you know what 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 was your what's your idea of the next from software game that you would like to see them pursue i i think the vr i don't know how much longevity there is in the psvr platform i think there's interesting things coming out on it i i'd be interested to see something that could emulate that kind of mechanical difficulty but in a vr context i think would be interesting i think it's sort of a, a quite a different ip i guess i mean the, the new uh what's it is it sekiro or i, don't, I can't remember how it's spelled yes yeah, that sekiro. looks mm-hmm. that yeah which looks, you know, I'll definitely be playing that, I'm sure, and I'll be interested to see. I mean, it's, it's, you've got that big grappling arm as well, flying you around the place. That's going to change the way you, you kind of move around. So I think there's going to be mechanical things that make it quite different. Who knows how similar it's going to be to Soul stuff. That's interesting to me. I think I'm interested... I'm interested in the way they tell stories. I'm interested in the tone of the stories that they tell. Uh, doing something interesting around you know the the parts of the law that have touched me i guess with souls games in a vr context that includes some of the kind of the mechanical elements i think would be interesting and maybe derasine will be that i think it's more likely to be kind of a, an interesting fragmented walking simulator but uh you know that'll be that'll be fascinating as well i think i'd like them to pick up vr torch and run with it i think i think that'd be really interesting I'm always curious because uh, I was really excited about that Connect uh, game that From did. Um, that I can never. I think it's Steel Battalion was the name of it. Um, oh, okay. I'm and it was that. It was. Uh, <laughs> it's so dumb. Uh, Steel Battalion was like an old Xbox, like original Xbox game that came with this enormous controller, and it was like this really detailed. <laughs> I mean, like an enormous 120 button controller. It was this really detailed game where, like, okay, if you don't like flip the switch up and hit the switch before you start, as soon as you crank the engine of your mech, you're going to explode, right? Like that was that game. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. And then from adopted that into a Connect game where there's literally no controller and like you're like using your hands to pull knobs and things. And I was like really excited about that. I thought that. 
would be a lot of fun. And like just the connect was so broken. Like it was, it was really hard to make work. <laughs> uh, so seeing them like do stuff like that into a, an actual virtual reality out there, I'm really excited about. And I hope they can continue to do it too. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Well, Michael, thank you very much for guesting, man. I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking about all of this stuff with me. This has been a lot of fun. No, it's been fun. Thank you. You, you want to uh, tell everybody where you can be found on the internet? Uh, yeah. My only internet presence is, is music stuff. I guess so if people are interested in me singing in a curiously high voice about Aztecs over long songs and odd time signatures that you can't dance to they would uh, you know they could do worse than to check out thumpermonkey.com thumper as in the rabbit from that sad Bambi film and monkey or you could go straight to the music which is thumpermonkey.bandcamp.com cool no, no Twitter yeah. or anything that you want to you want to plug. Oh, Twitter is at thumpermonkey underscore because somebody has at uh, thumpermonkey. Yeah, infuriating. Yeah, that's the reason that I'm a don't give up Skellies on Instagram, and I'm still ah, it to this day. Infuriating, um, very much so. Well, thank you again for guessing. I really appreciate it. No problem. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at Don't Give Up Skeleton. That has links to all of the social media sites that you could ever possibly want. It also has a link to the uh, Don't Give Up Skeleton t-shirt. If you want to put a skelly on your belly, that is the place to do it. If you're so inclined, you can also check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash don't give up skeleton. If you want to support the show directly, uh, you can also leave iTunes reviews or tell your friends that are into the Souls games about it or write in and try to get try to become a guest on the show, even though my waiting list is incredibly long as we've mentioned a couple of times whoops uh but most importantly thank you for listening it's very much appreciated and remember don't give up skeleton and we're good great awesome that just like breezed by right like that was so fast mm-hmm. yeah yeah no, it's amazing i was a bit anxious about it in the first place because you kind of think this is when you put in the in the headlight to kind of have a conversation about something that's being recorded something all of my intelligence
Till it feels like you're awake 